Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. back to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me shortly will be Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Today, we're taking a little bit of an off day, so to say, really just to be able to air this fantastic interview that we had last week with Charlie Goldsmith of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Really great guy, knowledgeable guy about the Reds. I believe he also covers the Bengals for them as well. You'll hear, hear more about that when he starts talking in just a minute or two. The main reason we brought him in is this weekend will be the MLB debut of Reds pitching prospect Hunter Green. Definitely one of the better pitching prospects that we have coming up this year. And certainly somebody you're going to want to see, see how he does his first time out. So we brought him in to talk about how he looks right now, overall, how the outlook of this team has changed now that they've completely shifted away from a core that had guys like Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker, all-stars that are now completely gone as this team almost starts over from scratch with a very few of their core players still remaining. So here, so you have a little bit of context for this upcoming interview is a little bit about Hunter Green, the second overall pick in the 2017 amateur draft. He goes, of course, to the Cincinnati Reds, starts in rookie ball that year. And I think the first thing that stands out about this guy, the one thing you should be looking at in terms of the statistics 
with all minor leaguers is his strikeouts per nine, in which he's been over 10 on every single level. His rookie ball time only ends up spending four innings there. He gets 12 strikeouts per nine over three games. And then it manages to go with 11.72 in 68 innings in A ball, and then 13.17 in 41 innings in double A last year before moving up to triple A, where he still had over 10 strikeouts per nine. Really, if these guys are going to be MLB caliber starters, you want to see that strikeout per nine over 10 at the minimum. To end off off last season in AAA, he made 14 starts, pitching 65 innings. Those, of course, 10.88 strikeouts per nine with a BABIP of 306, actually. That's um, certainly high, which contributes to an ERA of 413. So he was getting rather unlucky in, in his overall performance last season with the AAA club. And that attributes a lot to the fact that he did have a 413 ERA, very different than his 198 ERA in AA last season. So this is a guy who really has succeeded, which isn't necessarily a precursor to making it to the majors, as we've seen lots of times. There's been plenty of good prospects that they've felt overall, okay, their stuff, their talent is there enough that we don't really need to worry about whether or not their numbers match up. This guy's good enough to play in the majors. He's not only good enough to play based on his own talent, but he's proven that time and time again in the minors. Looking more towards his grading, what he really shows off, an 80-grade fastball. 80-grade current fastball. I'm not sure what that is in terms of miles per hour. That is between 97 and 103. And reasonably, you think about how hyped up this guy's going to be for his first ever major league start. You think about how early it is in the season, so his arm is nice and fresh. You're probably going to see mostly fastballs around 100 tomorrow when he gets out there to start. He also has a 55-grade slider right now, so that's above average. An above-average slider that most scouts think is going to get better. And his third pitch, that changeup, isn't that bad. So overall, you're looking at a guy with a terrific fastball and some good supporting stuff, decent enough command now that should be able to develop as he goes. This is a very exciting guy to start seeing if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan. But I will turn over the rest of the breakdown on this guy to Charlie Goldsmith. Here we are, Brandon and I, with Charlie Goldsmith. This was recorded last Saturday, if there's anything that's out of date information-wise, but I don't think there is. Everything I can remember talking about still absolutely holds up. Enjoy. If you're not following, make sure you do on wherever you get your podcast, wherever you consume that, as well as on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at MLB Daily Pod. We appreciate it. And see you manana. We are back here with Charlie Goldsmith of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on to talk with us. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do with the Inquirer? Yeah, I cover the Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer. I'm uh, looking forward to my second season on the beat, working in my hometown newspaper. That's fantastic. So let's go back to the end of last season. Uh, what was really the general sentiment around the team coming off of the end of the year? So the Reds, like the middle or the end of August, I forget what the last specific date was, but they were the second wildcard team in that stretch. 
They had a lot of momentum. They were playing really well. And then two key things happened. Jesse Winker, now a member of the Mariners, got hurt, and that sucked the wind out of them a bit down the stretch, taking a huge bat out of their lineup. And number two, they faced a lot of left-handed pitching, and they uh, kind of struggled. They really struggled against that. And come to think of it, there's one more thing. A lot of their best or most important depth starting pitchers, Vladimir Gutierrez, Wade Miley, kind of faded down the stretch as they accumulated innings coming off a shortened season. So for those three reasons, the Reds kind of faded. They pivoted strategy in the offseason to not run the same team back, to bring a, a very different core that they were building around, a younger core that they're building around. And now, you know, they're relying on their player development pipeline, and you'll get to see a lot of those players this year. Now, of course, you talk about the guys they let go, make getting younger. Do you think this was a product of the lockout, or was this already in the cards based on last season? Yeah, I don't see the lockout as a as a variable in the moves the Reds made. Um, they, they really believe what they made specifically after the lockout, when you look at the timing of the moves, uh, were baseball moves. They traded Sonny Gray, someone with one year left on his deal, for Chase Petty, a 2021 first-round pick. They traded Winker and Suarez for a top 100 prospect and a potential replacement left fielder. So they liked the returns. They liked um, – getting younger, more athletic position players who play up the middle, plus starting pitching in return as well. They like the return from that perspective. And they're starting to fit. They have a GM who's just in his second year running baseball operations. They're starting to fit where their biggest chips are with what the new GM's priorities are. How much will guys like Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos be missed in Cincinnati? Well, there are two factors of it. First, you know, Winker, Suarez, and Castellanos – uh, three of their four best power hitters. That's a lot of homers and a lot of RBIs to replace. And it's probably the biggest reason Alana probably won't be as successful this season. But look around the clubhouse too. Like Kyle Farmer, their shortstop, who wasn't a full-time player before last season, he has the second most hits as an active red behind Joey Votto. So they have turned over extremely quickly there. They have two starting position players who are there. At 2019, in Farmer and Nick Senzel, they have a couple guys that picked up in 2020. This team hasn't been together a whole long time now. It's much younger. It's much newer. Um, and, you know, that's kind of part of been some of the emotions of this spring. How do you replace the leadership and the veteran experience that so many of those guys brought? So he's talking about Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker going over to Seattle. What do they really bring? What are the most effective things that they will be bringing to their new team? Uh, power for sure. Um, I'll start with Jesse Winker. Winker might be one of the five best hitters against right-handed pitching in baseball. It's funny. He doesn't call himself a power hitter. He says, I'm not a power hitter. Um, but then he goes out and hit, he was on pace to hit 35, 40 homers last year when he was healthy. Um, his timing at the plate is as impressive as anyone I've seen. Um, you know, when you go past the Trout Otani, Rendon tier like that when you go into that next tier Winker's timing is as impressive as it gets um and really he did take step forward as a power hitter last season and then Gino pure poppy at 49 homers in uh 2019 uh, he has the most homers in baseball dating back to the beginning of 20 the 2018 season uh, so pure power for him he struggled last season hit about 200 um dealt with strikeouts a ton that's kind of been an area he's had to really make adjustments to in different areas of his game because he's been struggling with strikeouts, but the Mariners are hopeful that they can get a bounce back season from him. Absolutely. Um, for those listening, if you hadn't gotten a chance to watch it about a week ago, our Friday release, 
I ended up di- I did end up taking Jesse Winker as my top left fielder for next season just because of the amount of right-handed hitting that'll be or right-handed pitching, excuse me, that will be in the AL West. But what about Castellanos with the Phillies? What is he really? What are the best parts of his game that he'll be bringing there? Uh, another guy who is just statistically one of the best hitters in baseball last season. You look at OPS, you look at barrels rate. Uh, Castellanos was right up there. But the first thing you have to mention with Castellanos is his spark and his fire and the intensity he set. He kind of set an edge for the Reds that they hadn't had in a bit. He flexed in the Cardinals pitcher's faces in the second game of the season. His bat flips, his energy, the way he engaged and built a relationship with the Reds fan base was what really, again, sparked the team last season. Uh, Philly's going to be a fun fit because that's a very fiery fan base already. And just to get on the field, Castellanos, uh, it just is a, a is a pure true hitter that um, I have a lot of confidence. I'll just keep hitting throughout that deal. So, you know, the Reds obviously make quite a few big moves this offseason. We just touched on uh, the Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez trade, but you guys do acquire a few guys. Uh, you signed Colin Moran. Uh, who could slide into your DH spot potentially. You also get Tommy Pham and then uh, a bunch of other names in there, guys like Hunter Strickland. You know, what is um, the the feel on, you know, these guys that you've just signed? You know, how have they been playing in spring training? Have we got to really see a lot of them yet? Yeah, so when they made these trades, Grace, uh, Suarez, Winker, they added – kind of as a byproduct, financial flexibility that they saw the opportunity to use right away with guys on one-year prove-it deals, you could call it, stopgap deals, you could call it. They had holes on their roster they needed to fill, and they saw Miner and Pham and Strickland and Moran and Donovan Solano was the best guys at those positions. Um, you know, obviously, Miner's a starting pitcher, so you can't really say this about him, but, like, they're all kind of part-time players with the exception of Tommy Pham, who's going to be a big part of their outfield. Um They love his well-rounded game and his ability to hit left-handed pitching. As I mentioned earlier, that was a weakness for them last season. And then the other guys, you know, uh, again, the best players they could get to fill specific needs they had. They're not giving up on the 2022 season. And these moves were proof that that was certainly the case by adding, feels like most of them are 34 to the dot, uh, by adding a bunch of 34-year-olds who have had really productive moments in their careers to try to create a more balanced, uh, a deeper team and a more versatile team this season. Now, turning over to some of these prospects, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, uh, Jose Barrero, how should the fans feel about the outlook of this team? Well, that's what they're building around. You know, the the goal that the Reds are building toward is that the next great um, playoff advancing Reds team is going to be led in the field by Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India, and Jose Barrero, and is excuse me, uh, going to be led on the mound by Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, and Brandon Williamson. Williamson, who they inqu- acquired as the centerpiece of that Winker trade. Um, I-, I would say Green and Lodolo have been the two most impressive players in Red Spring training this season. You know, I'll say that Green did just have a bad start um, in a second last start of the spring. But overall, like the improvement he's made with this changeup, he's using it in zero, zero neutral counts now, which he never did before. He's more of a three-pitch pitcher than he's ever did. That completely changes what he can do from a game planning process, from a, you know, the cat and mouse game part of it. He, he has whole new different concepts that he can turn to, to use a slider that's some given 80 grade and a fastball that's obviously one of a kind. And then Lodolo, he's a completely different pitcher. He'll admit I'm more of a control pitcher. 
Um, but you know, he only walked 11 hitters last season and his slider is very different from hunters, but also extremely highly regarded. He's really ramped up his fastball and put some more movement on it, uh, get more swings and misses and more strikeouts with it as well. Improved his cutter and his change up. And they both certainly look ready for roles in the major leagues. You know, two top prospects that the Reds are building around that have certainly impressed so far. Now, I think a question that a lot of people want to know, of course, sure, those are the guys that you want to build around. But, you know, is there any sort of ETA of when we can expect this team to be contending again? Is this kind of like a team like the Rangers? I'm sorry, I shouldn't use the, the, the Rangers, but I guess a team like the Detroit Tigers that has a lot of young talent around them um, and then they make some some of flashy moves in the offseason to get some guys is this a team where you could see like potential three four years we're talking about the Reds being uh in in the playoffs I mean you know I think if you would ask their general manager he would anticipate a timeline quicker than that uh the difference between the Reds and a couple other organizations is that they're Top pitching prospects, you know, top 100 caliber guys are going to start the season in the majors or spend a lot of time in the majors anyway. They already have good young rookie of the year candidates in India and Stevenson who have already been really successful at the major league level. Jose Barrero probably would have made their opening day roster if he was healthy. Um, He hurt the hamate bone in his hand. He's missing about six weeks right now. Uh, but they look at the proximity of those core guys to the major leagues, plus a really deep farm system behind them. And that's the reason they see it not taking, you know, they're not rebuilding. They're just centering their roster around these guys that they like. Now on to Hunter Green, who is expected to start tomorrow upon release. Could you tell us a little more about this guy? Like how good could he really be? It's funny, like, I've been thinking about this a lot about Hunter. Like he's been in such a spotlight since he's been however old he was when he was on the Sports Illustrated cover at high school. His whole life, he knew he, his whole life has been leading up to this. He has always been able to throw above a hundred. So he's always known kind of in the back of his head that, all right, I have a good chance to be drafted, good chance to rise up the ranks in the minor leagues. And he always had this long-term vision in mind. And all of a sudden now you, you make it to the major leagues. And what's impressed the Reds specifically is, um, trying to think of the right word, like his confidence, you could say, but I would say like his veteran presence, almost his poise, I would say is the perfect word I'm using. Um, Hunter had to deal with a lot of adversity along the way, Tommy John surgery, the COVID season, uh, different other minor injuries that popped up and set him back at strange times. And Hunter battled through that, learned from that, built off those experiences and really hit the ground running throughout his minor league career. Now heading to the majors, the Reds are confident that he has not just the talent, the fastball, and the slider, and the changeup, but the mental side of the game as well. They're really confident in that, and that's really impressed them this spring. And that gives them, you know, he's what they're building around. He's the centerpiece. How big is it that he was able to make the opening day roster for both him and this team? Yeah, that's certainly, you know, they, they wanted him to make the opening day roster, and he had to go out and show them that he was ready for that opportunity for the start of the season. And he did. And, you know, the Reds are a team that when they see that in you, they, they, bring up to the big leagues. They did it with India last year. They did it with Hunter this year. And they put a lot of confidence in him from the jump because he showed them that he was ready for it. He showed them everything they were hoping to see. Okay. Now got to ask if you had to put a finger on it, what is a realistic expectation for his rookie year? Yeah, I haven't really thought about this. That's so that, that is a very good question. There, there's the expectation that, it, you know, he's obviously 
not going to be a top of the rotation starter right away. Um, rookies deal with adversity. And for Hunter uh, Green in particular, what you're going to see is a lot of, as I mentioned, game planning process, pitch mix, pitch usage. He's working with a catcher and Tyler Stevenson that he's never really worked with before. So you could see a couple wrinkles that need to be ironed out over the course of the season. Statistically, how that translates, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but overall, they're focused on his development and how that continues to progress at the big league level. I'm not sure what his ERA is going to be. I'll, I'll probably put some more thought into that, to be honest. But um, overall, he's going to get every opportunity they could possibly afford him because they are as confident in him as they've ever been. One last question for you, and I want to talk about the bullpen. So when you go on to Fangraphs.com and you look at the way that they lay out this Reds, this Reds bullpen, they have five different guys that could be the closer uh, for this team. They have Art Warren. Uh, Hunter Strickland, and then they got the pair of Yankee guys that they traded for last July, Luis Sessa, Justin Wilson. They also throw Jeff Hoffman's name in there. What is sort of the talk around this end-of-the-game bullpen usage uh, for the Reds? You know, have, have they really come out and said uh, who the high-leverage guys are going to be yet? Is there anyone in s- specific? Yeah, so— Look what they did last season. It's a team that doesn't have a traditional closer. Uh, It is the team that organizes. Here's how they do it. So they have two guys that are 1A and 1B on the pecking order. That changes as guys get hurt, as guys emerge, as guys go up, guys go down. At the beginning of the season, my guess is that that would be Luis Sessa and Tony Santana, converted starting pitcher, pitching those most high leverage roles. My guess right now, based on what they did last year, was that depending on matchups, one of those pitchers would pitch the most high leverage situation in the game entering in the seventh inning with two runners on that kind of thing. And the other would pitch the ninth inning that will change over the course of the season as the reds will ride the hot hand. So if our Warren who has pitched very well at a very high level continues to do that, he could very much enter that mix as one of the one a or one B guys. Um, again, they don't have a closer last year. I don't know if they had a guy with more than 11 saves or something like that. And, um, Excuse me. Uh, that'll be the case again this year. All right. I've just got a few more for you. Back to the prospects and the future of this team. Are there any guys that you feel personally are kind of flying under the radar? Yeah. Um, one big one. You guys might have heard of him. He's not a household name as a prospect yet. Ellie De La Cruz. He's a 20-year-old uh, shortstop from the Dominican Republic. It's pretty easy to see to see what's going to happen or to see the potential here. He's a six foot five switch hitting shortstop who might be the best power hitter, the best base runner and have the best arm in the entire organization. So, you know, I could, I could talk about him for a while. I was at minor league camp for six weeks. I've seen him up close for a bit. Um, and certainly Ellie De La Cruz has as much potential and, and scouts and front office executives across baseball have said this to me. He has much potential as anyone in baseball. So you certainly got my eyes lighting up there. 6'5", switch hitter, sounds fantastic. Now, back to realistic expectations. What would you say is a realistic expectation for a successful season for this team? Another great question. Um, So, like, my win projection right now would be around, like, 76. But there's the Joey Votto side of it as well. He has two years left in this current contract. And looking at it from Votto's perspective, this is – he's never advanced in the playoffs with the Reds. There's an urgency when you look at it that way, when you look at it um, from David Bell, who just received an extension, but not a long-term extension. 
you see some sense of urgency to have these pieces come and gel together quickly. I think a successful season would be looking at the 2023 team as a team that would be projected to make the playoffs uh, because of how many young guys are going to have in big roles this season. You look at it and be all right, next year can be a big year. And I guess overall right now, that would seem successful to me if Green and Lodolo and Barrero and the rest of the young guys show you enough to where it's a team in position where you can say 2023 can be a very big year. Yeah, I'm not sure how much you get to uh, sound off on this type of stuff, but uh, past the Reds, other MLB takes, who are you liking right now? I was just thinking about this. The NL is a mess. Um, the Dodgers are great. The Padres, of course, were a mess last season, and Fernando Tatis is hurt. The Brewers have the third or fourth best lineup in the NL Central, let alone baseball. The Mets are cursed, and um, the Braves just lost Freddie Freeman. So the NL is a mess. Um, I guess that would be my, my biggest general take right now. And overall, who would you say had the best offseason of the group? Question. Um, the Dodgers. I mean, that's easy. So is certainly not hard. All right. Well, I believe unless Brandon has anything else, that's all we have for you. So feel free if there's anything else you'd like to add, anything you'd like to plug for yourself, feel free. Nothing. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. See ya. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.